It's episode 21 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey friends, welcome back to Keto for Women number 21. Today we have the most massive of all topics I could possibly pick to talk about on Keto for Women that we're going to try to tackle, and that is the topic of fasting. I've talked about it a few times briefly over the past 20 episodes, but now I'm going to take it upon myself to try to dive in fully into this topic and really see if I can break it down for you all so you can decide for yourself if it's something you want to try or not. And maybe if it's something you're already doing, whether that is still a good idea for you or not. Uh, So we're going to get into that shortly. But first, let's just go through some updates. As I've mentioned in the past, uh, I want to take this opportunity when I'm just kind of chatting with you all to give you some ideas because I get requests all the time of people asking me for meal ideas, how my keto meals look, and I post them all the time over on social media. But sometimes I think it's just fun for you all to hear, in my own words, what I'm eating and making and cooking right now. So that's what we're going to do at the start of this fasting episode is talk about food. (laughs) How ironic. Okay, so I made a beef stew yesterday that was phenomenal, and I want to share what I did with you all. If you follow me on Instagram stories, then you probably saw me making it, and you saw how random it was, and me just kind of going by the seat of my pants to figure out how to make this meat I had into stew. So I chose a, I have a whole uh, freezer full of meat right now that I got over the summer through my meat share at the farm that I go to. And so I just picked out, I knew I wanted soup because I knew it was going to be cold this week. I picked out a package of beef flank bones. However, the flank bones had tons of meat on it. The overall package was three and a quarter pounds. And I'd say probably two and a quarter pounds at least of that was meat. Uh, Really good quality meat too. So I knew that's what I wanted to use to try to make this stew. And I basically defrosted that, got out my instant pot, which if you don't have an instant pot, I highly recommend it. I'm pretty sure I've talked about that here on Keto for Women before as well. I use it all the time, as you can see. And it's basically, it's a pressure cooker. So it does the exact same thing that your slow cooker does, but at a rapid pace. So this stew that would have taken me probably 12 hours to cook if I wanted it to be, you know, moist, tender, fall off the bone, maybe a little bit less, but say nine to 12 hours for the hearty thing that I wanted to make took me 90 minutes. So that's a big difference and tastes just the same, if not better. 
personally, I think. So if you don't have an Instant Pot, I'll link to the one that I have in the show notes, and I highly recommend you guys give that a try. By the way, if you are listening to this, sorry, this is totally off topic, but I've been getting this question a lot. If you don't have access to show notes on whatever podcast app you're listening to, uh, you can always go to my website, seanminer.com under Keto for Women. It's one of the top headers and get all of the show notes for every single episode there and all the links and everything you need. So if you're not seeing that on your app you're using, go to my website. It's super easy and it's always right there and you can see every single episode. Okay, so back to the food here. Uh, So pressure cooker, Instant Pot, got that out. Put the meat in the bottom, meat and bones in the bottom. On top, I just added all the vegetables that I had, everything I had gotten from the farm the week before. So that included cabbage, a yellow onion, two carrots, two like really big carrots, so probably like four carrots total, and some radishes chop those radishes up into squares. Added those on top of the meat, then put in a bunch of seasonings. So the seasonings I used were ginger, curry, garlic, salt, and a little bit of kind of like a red pepper or chipotle pepper just to make it a little spicy, give it a little kick. And then I added some oh-so-good bones bone broth. Again, I will link to that in the show notes. This bone broth is absolutely amazing. It will make everything that you need bone broth for taste so good. And I even honestly prefer it just straight in a mug. So I will link to that and how you can try that out in the show notes as well. And then I covered it up. Well, I kind of stirred it a little bit so some of those spices would get mixed in and set it for 90 minutes and let it go. Let it do its thing. After the 90 minutes were up, it was so good. That was such a good, flavorful, what I'm calling curry beef stew because it was definitely a stew consistency, but tasted like curry in the best way possible. I also added to that about a cup of coconut cream. So heavy coconut cream, that's what I use for everything. Uh, And that really thickened it up and made it creamy and obviously gave it more fat. So it was keto friendly. And that's what I had for dinner last night with a side salad uh, with some dressing, of course, some fabulous homemade dressing. And that was my keto-friendly meal. Tons of veggies, tons of awesome nutrient-dense things like this grass-fed beef and the not only the bones that were part of the cooking of that, which contains obviously collagen and gelatin and amino acids, but also the added bone broth that I put in there to really just boost that up. So the nutrient quota of this stew is just phenomenal. And then all the veggies and stuff, of course. So I highly recommend you make that. The problem here is, which you saw on Instagram stories, if you watched, I didn't measure anything. So I never do, which is why I never create recipes because they always end up being just like a touch of this and a little bit of this. But I would assume all of those spices probably were at least a tablespoon, probably between a tablespoon and two tablespoons worth of these spices just based on how many veggies I put in, how big the amount of meat was. And that's something that you would have to kind of figure out for yourself. The cool thing about that, and that's how I cook all the time, is that you can just 
put in some to start it. And this is what I did yesterday. Put in some to start it and then add more once everything is cooked and you're able to sample it. If it needs more salt, if it needs more curry, garlic, whatever it is, just start adding. Just start throwing it in until it gets to a flavor that you like. It's really that easy. And that's exactly what I did. Just kept adding it in certain ones until it was perfect. And it turned out so well. So I really think you all should make that. Really try to get the beef shank bone meat and bones if you can. Uh, maybe go to your local butcher or Whole Foods or whatever and ask for that specifically. I really think that's what did it is just that type of meat in that whole scenario just really, really worked. So that's my little cooking tip for you all today, especially now that most of us are probably in some sort of fall weather. I think it's getting to that point where summer's gone, although yesterday here it was definitely summer, but then today it's snowing, which is why I love living in Colorado. Nothing really else to report. We are in full swing of the Fat Burning Female Project as of today for that November group. So excited to have all these ladies joining me for the holiday season and becoming keto and staying keto through the holidays. I'm excited for that. If you missed this opportunity, if you were unable to sign up before a sellout or weren't sure if this was the right time for you, don't worry. There's going to be a ton of them coming up in 2018. The first one starting actually January 8th. So we will be starting the next Fat Burning Female Project Monday, January 8th, with course materials being delivered Friday, January 5th, and enrollment being Wednesday, January 3rd. So you will have plenty of time, plenty of other opportunities to get into the Fat Burning Female Project and our group there and get into ketosis correctly, safely, easily, and fun with us. This is also the last recording I will be doing before traveling to Spain for the Low Carb Universe Conference. As of next Wednesday, I will be traveling to Spain. I will be there for two weeks and I will be... Uh, of course, still doing the podcast. There will be some pre-recorded episodes, but I will be doing at least one episode there while being part of the conference because I really want to share with you as quickly as I can what I'm learning from that conference that might help you all. So anything new, I know there's a whole day where we're talking about new revelations in the low-carb keto community and things that are now being studied and tested. So I really want to be able to relay that information to you too. So I'll be doing at least one episode from Spain, and you will hear all about my adventures so far. If you are someone that is on Instagram and wants to follow me along on my first ever completely solo adventure and complete my first time ever being in Europe and just being at the Low Carb Universe... Uh, make sure to follow me along on Instagram stories. I will be posting some to Instagram and Facebook, of course, but Instagram stories, I'm just on there all day, every day, but you will be able to see kind of the inside scoop of what I'm doing. Again, of course, that's at Sean Minor Health on Instagram and Sean Minor Health on Facebook. But for those stories, you can either just hit my circle picture 
when you're on Instagram, especially if it has kind of a pink and purple circle around it, that means I have a story you haven't watched, or you can find me up at the top when you first log on, can scroll over and find my picture and touch on that. Either way, however you prefer, but check me out over there while I'm traveling. It'll be tons of fun. All right, let's dive into this massive topic that I have a feeling might actually take a few episodes. So we'll see how quickly I can run through this right now and then see if we need to do a second episode um, just because I think that a lot of people, me included, have talked about fasting in a pretty general form, uh, have really kind of shown how to do it, what to do but haven't gone over in detail as much as I want you guys to know about why you should or shouldn't be fasting, what it looks like, what it's doing in your body. And so I really want to take this time to really break that down for you all so that you can make that decision for yourself if it's something you want to try or not. That's not some a decision I can make for you or your friends can make for you or another podcaster or another blogger or anybody else. It has to come from your own intuition and if it's something you want to do. So we're going to break this down. The first thing I want to talk about is what fasting looks like. And actually, even before that, I want to just briefly mention that while fasting has gotten very popular over the past few years, I would say, maybe up to five years when we have talked about intermittent fasting and things like that. This is not something new. Fasting has been around for ever, basically. A lot of religious groups use it. And even our ancestors in the Paleolithic era, obviously they weren't always having food because it wasn't always readily available. So this is something that was an active part of our biological and physiological process. And so many of these religious groups still use it today. A lot of people out there use it for medical intervention. So I just want to reiterate the fact that this is not something that has just come out. It is not the same as starvation, and it is not the same as having an eating disorder. So these are all very different purposes, very different makeups of what is actually happening. And today we are talking about fasting, which fasting is basically when you decide, so it's a voluntary restriction of food for a period of time. So you are in complete control. You know whether that's something you want to do or not. You have all the power in the world as to whether you're going to fast or not. And you stop the fast when you want to and you start the fast when you want to. That's what I consider fasting, this voluntary action. Of course, talking paleo, at that point, it wasn't necessarily voluntary. They just actually didn't have food. And same thing goes if you are someone stranded on a desert island, you might be forced into more of a fast. But um, for the purposes of what we're talking about today, in the real world, for most of us, 99.99% of us, it is something where we are voluntarily doing so. Okay? Now, before I get into the more specifics about fasting, I do just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, I guess, because 
Here's the thing about fasting. There's not a ton of research that has been done on humans. There's some research that has been done on mice, rats, other kinds of mammals. But as far as humans and fasting, we're still at the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to learn about fasting. So there may be some difference of opinion based on what I say and maybe what some others say, but that's only because there just isn't a ton of information out there as of yet. And so a lot of this is not speculation, I don't want to say, but just what we know, what we do know, what is out there, we are going to tell you. And I definitely did lots of research on the topic before I even hit record today. I read hours of research and studies, so I do feel very confident in what I'm going to tell you today, but I just want to lay that out there that there is probably a little bit of flexibility within what I say and what other people say that will solidify as the years go on, as we get more information. So this is all going to provide you with this educational tool that you can use to determine if fasting is right for you. That's all I want to do. Provide the education that can help you decide what to do. Now, with that being said, let's talk about what fasting looks like. So there are basically two different types of fasts, intermittent fasting and prolonged or extended fasting. Now, I think everyone probably has a slightly different definition of what qualifies as what. I really don't think it matters whether you decide if you're going to do intermittent or extended or prolonged, whatever you want to call it. I really don't think that matters. But just for the sake of clarifying, I personally consider intermittent fasting to be between 12 and 36 hours. So anytime that you fast anywhere between there would be considered intermittent fasting. Now, as it progresses beyond 36 hours, that for me signals a more extended or prolonged fast because now you've gone at least a day and a half without eating. And that just in my mind is where I start thinking of it as a more long-term approach. Within that, there are a lot of different methodologies that you can use to fast. And really, it doesn't matter. And this is one big point I want to make is that pretty much all of us fast from dinner to breakfast. So most of us are getting at least a 12-hour fast just overnight. And that's fine, amazing, great, all you need to do. So that's one of the big points I want to make here is that We're all kind of in an intermittent fasting regimen just because we don't eat in the middle of the night. Now, if you do, that might be something to look into, but I would say, you know, especially if you're someone who finishes dinner at six and doesn't eat again till six the next morning or seven and seven, there you go. You're fasting. That's all you need to do to get these benefits that I'm going to talk about coming up. Now, you can extend that quite easily, and I do find that most people do really well with extending that out a little bit. The most common one is 16-8, where you are fasting for 16 hours and eating for 8 hours. I don't know why that's the most common, but it seems to be. So basically, you take whatever you've done overnight, 
and add a few more hours on top of that. For instance, if you stopped your dinner at six o'clock that night before, you would wait until 10 a.m. the next day to eat. So you would have 16 hours of, of being in a fasted state. And then you have from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. to eat. And so that is your feasted state. And you can do that as much as you want, whenever you feel like it, every day, once a week, whatever. You can extend that up to 18 hours, 20 hours, 24 hours. And obviously, 24 would be you stop eating at 6 p.m. the night before and you don't eat dinner until 6 p.m. that next day. That would be a full 24-hour fast. That is one of the more common ones too because you're getting a lot of these more extended fast benefits without actually not eating for an entire day. So I find that one to be kind of on the brink of being pretty quote-unquote extreme. I don't really want to use that word, but it's what's coming to me right now, but not being so extreme that you get into any sort of uh, stress or around sleeping or hormone disruption or anything like that, which we'll talk about coming up. Um, now you can also do an alternate day fast, and that can be either a 24 or a 36 hour fast. So this is something that's a little bit more regimented, a little bit more um, hearty of a fast, we'll say, because basically you're taking every other day to fast and every other day to eat. So how this would look for an alternate day fast of 24 hours, you would finish dinner at 6 p.m. on Monday, and then you would eat dinner at 6 p.m. on Tuesday. So that's a 24-hour fast. So then that whole next day, all day Wednesday, so you had dinner on Tuesday, and then all day Wednesday you're eating, and then say you stop dinner at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, then you don't eat dinner until Thursday at 6 p.m. I know it's probably really confusing, but that's how it is. That's how it works. So you're having these every other day, 24-hour periods where you're not eating, and then you're having every other day where you're eating. So it basically goes dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's the alternate fasting for 24 hours. Now the alternate fasting for 36 hours is skipping the dinner, basically. So say you finish dinner at 6 p.m. on Monday, you would fast all day Tuesday and then start eating again with breakfast at 6 a.m. on Wednesday eat breakfast, lunch, dinner on Wednesday, be done by 6 p.m., fast all day Thursday, and start eating again Friday at 6 a.m. So basically it would be dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. You're skipping the dinners in a way because that whole day you're not eating. So I hope, again, that makes sense. I just kind of, you can do the math and, and look at it that way and understand, okay, if I stop eating at 6 p.m., let me, what is 36 hours from then? And that's your answer right there. So those, again, are pretty significant fasting regimens that I really think would only be done in people that have something pretty significant to heal. Uh, maybe some insulin resistance, some diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, triglycerides, 
something like that. And that is actually a tool that I used when I was dealing with leptin resistance, which as soon as I get through this, I'll talk about my personal fasting experience, just so that you all know I do have a kind of some experience with this, so I'm not just rattling this off with no idea what I'm talking about. There's also, when we go into the extended fast, you can do anywhere from the 36 hours I was mentioning all the way up to weeks, 21 days, 28 days, where you're getting into this three, four week time span. Again, this is something that I would highly recommend only doing if you have talked to a medical or health practitioner, you've worked with someone that knows this is what you're going to be doing, that approves of it, that is going to work with you right alongside you while it's happening. I just think that we all would feel better knowing that you have some medical guidance and support during that time. So I highly recommend that before you tackle anything in that realm at all. I would say the maximum I would even recommend doing without seeking medical advice would be maybe three days maximum. And even that's pushing it in my opinion and not something that most of us need to do. So let's talk about what is involved in these fasts. So what does it look like? For me, because I'm someone who kind of likes to go by the book and follow rules. I'm a rule follower. It's true. I was always trying to be a teacher's pet. Can't help it. It's in my DNA. I think that a fast needs to be a true fast where you are having water, maybe some sparkling water, black coffee, tea, Maybe a little bit of bone broth. I know I use bone broth occasionally during fasts when I just felt a little hunger twang, that would really help. So I'm okay with a little bit of bone broth, a tiny bit of kombucha maybe, but for the most part, you are staying pretty much calorie free. I would say if you get up to maybe 50 calories, they're probably fine. So that would be half a cup of bone broth or couple sips of kombucha, something like that, and you're good to go. But I really think that I'm saying this mainly because I think a lot of people assume that they can have tons of fat in their coffee or whatever and still be fasting. And I personally am someone that doesn't think that is true to be in a true fasted state. You can be in kind of like a fat fasted state, but it is not truly fasting. And so I just think that if you're going to do it, just do it. Just go for it and do it full on potential. Now, this includes lots of water, lots of liquids, lots of salt. We really want to increase your sodium intake from good high quality sea salt while fasting. So in order to kind of minimize that effect of having this excess sodium loss, which can, you know, do some damage make you not feel as good. So really increasing your salt intake, your electrolyte intake. I prefer taking pills anyways for my electrolytes. And I have the one that I recommend listed on my supplement guide that I talked about in episode 18. So if you want to go grab that, go to episode 18 and the show notes there will link you to get that. And you can get those electrolytes I recommend. So you're going to have your fill of coffee, tea, water. I love having a LaCroix or something like that 
some sort of mineral water when I'm fasting, just for a little bit of flavor, a little bit of change of pace. I think those are really great too. And you're going to just do it until it's time to eat. And then let's take a look at what it looks like when you are eating. And this is, again, one of the biggest points I want to make about fasting is that when you are fasting and deciding to add some sort of fasting protocol to your life, do not do that while also being on a calorie-restricted diet. Fasting in that case means that you are feasting when you are eating. So those meals that you are having when your fasting schedule is up and it's time to eat are nice, hearty, nutrient-dense, big meals. You're getting tons of awesome, good, high-quality protein sources. You're getting tons of awesome organic vegetables. You're getting tons of great, good, high-quality fats in these meals. So, of course, they're going to be ketogenic in nature, so you're going to really have this high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carb situation, but that doesn't mean that you can't be having vegetables and, and things like that in your meals once you start refeeding. I really want you to focus on getting nutrients, nutrients, nutrients when you start eating. And that means vegetables, proteins, and fats. You need all of them. So you no need to just go strict like butter and heavy whipping cream and coconut when you do start eating again. You can have these proteins. It's very important to get those proteins and it's very important to get those vegetables as well. So make sure you're eating when you're supposed to be eating. It is not the time to to start worrying about calories or still maintaining a calorie deficit or anything like that. Please don't do that. That will get you into a lot of trouble. Please make sure you are eating to fill yourself up and feel really good and fuel the rest of your day when you are not fasted. That is so important. Okay, before we move on any further, why don't I tell you all about my own fasting experience? I know I've mentioned it before, but always good to talk about it again so you know where I'm coming from here. So when I started a ketogenic diet, I also started intermittent fasting about the same time. I gave myself a little bit of time to get into ketosis and then started fasting right away, doing an intermittent schedule of 16-8. So I personally was someone that could do the 6 p.m. stop eating, the 10 a.m. start eating the next day, and it was great. I really enjoyed it. Very easy to do. I was doing so because it was actually a recommendation from my doctor uh, because I was trying to, at the time, get a hold of my leptin resistance, which was massively out of control at the time. My levels of leptin were way, way, way high and nothing was working. I had tried so many other things to get my leptin down and I couldn't get it under control. So this was basically the last step. I also was still dealing with some inflammatory markers that were high because of my toxic mold exposure. So I was kind of still having some stubborn uh, lab markers that wouldn't quite come down the way I was hoping they would with medication. So it seemed like a natural step to try fasting because I know, and my doctor agreed, with these anti-inflammatory components that really come along with it, which we'll discuss in a minute. So I gave it a go, and like I said, I really enjoyed it, 
but I wasn't really experiencing a whole lot of benefit from it. I didn't really feel any different. I wasn't having any change in my leptin levels or any of my inflammatory markers after retesting a month later, not much had changed. So at that point, I decided to take it one step further. And by one step, I mean a lot of steps further. And I went for the alternate day fasting. Just totally decided I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. I think this is what I need. I did the 36-hour intermittent alternate day fasting schedule where I basically ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner one day, nothing the next day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner the next day, nothing the next day. So every other day, not eating at all. And yes, this was very extreme. I actually, at the time, I did not mind it. I really, I felt really good on the fasting days. I felt obviously really good on the feasting days. It made eating a little bit more exciting. And I actually did not mind it. I tapered down my workouts a lot, a lot, a lot. So I was definitely not expending nearly as much energy during that time, which I already had kind of a lower exercise tolerance anyways. So I wasn't working out a ton because I wasn't feeling good enough to work out, but I definitely kept it to walks and yoga, that kind of stuff while I was in this fasting schedule. And I did that for, I think, about two months pretty regularly. I feel like sometimes on the weekends I would have two days of eating, but I was pretty regimented to having at least three days of 36-hour fasting. And what this did, now for me, again, like I mentioned at the beginning, this was a very, this was something I did and I only recommend people do because I had this pretty significant healing to do. This was not something where a 16-8 intermittent fasting schedule was helping. I really, really had to heal my brain to the level where I could heal this leptin resistance because that was at the root cause of why I was experiencing uh, high leptin levels was because my leptin receptors in my brain were no longer functioning basically at all because of the inflammatory response that had happened in my brain. So I had this really deep underlying purpose that was very important to my health that led me down this path of a pretty significant fasting schedule. Like I said, it wasn't hard it wasn't bad. I I didn't mind it, but it wasn't easy. We can say that. It wasn't easy. And I saw great results. My leptin levels came back to normal. My inflammatory markers came back to normal. It was very obvious that my body liked that for that purpose, for healing my brain, decreasing my inflammation, getting my leptin receptors back up and running, and then getting my leptin signaling back up and running as well. So it worked absolutely 100% for what I was looking for. Now, on the downside of that was that during that time, I also started losing a significant amount of hair. So I had very much increased hair loss to the point where it was scary. I shed tears over it several times because it was scary. I mean, I don't have super thick hair to begin with and to lose hair to that rate was very scary to me uh, and not knowing if it would ever stop. 
And at the time, I wasn't really sure or convinced that it was because of the fasting. I couldn't find any data on that or any studies, nothing to say that that was something that should happen. So I was even more confused and not sure that it was fasting related. I also lost my menstrual cycle. So I went one cycle with it being very long, and then I went one cycle without having it at all. And right then was my cue, this is not working in this aspect for my body, I need to stop. So yes, I had amazing benefits from it, but I also had pretty significant impacts from it too that I wasn't willing to continue doing in order to continue seeing these results. Now, the good thing that came out of that is I started eating again, obviously. I got my period back very quickly and now it's back to being 100% regular every single cycle with no PMS, no nothing, it's just great. So it came back quickly. I also stopped losing hair, which I actually, it turns out that I do think the fasting put me into this state, but it actually turned out to be a zinc deficiency. So um, I was able to get that figured out through my naturopath and get on a uh, zinc supplement and my hair loss stopped. So that's amazing. But it taught me that while it was very impactful on certain things that I needed to heal, and that was the most important thing for me at that moment, that was my priority, was getting this inflammatory response down, getting my body back to a a state where I could regulate my inflammatory responses on my own. But as soon as that was done, I no longer had a need for it because it was also doing some harm. And then my next most important thing beyond that was my need to regulate my hormones. And then that became the most important thing. And obviously, fasting to that degree wasn't doing anything good for my hormones. So once I started eating again on a regular basis, breakfast, lunch, dinner, making sure I was getting enough food every day, obviously, like I mentioned, my hormones regulated very quickly and very easily. Good news also, my leptin stayed regular as well. So those benefits, those healing benefits that I got from doing that fasting regimen for a few months stayed with me. And that's the coolest thing ever. And now, I mean, there are definitely, which I'll go over, there are so many amazing benefits to fasting that it is something I do want to and plan to keep in my life. It just, I have now taken the last few months to figure out what schedule works for me, what I feel comfortable doing, what my body likes having me do, and I've now figured that out and I go from there. And really, to be honest, and this is another huge bullet point for all of you, I don't really have a schedule. It's not like I'm doing a 24-hour fast or once a week or every day I'm fasting for 16 hours. I'm not on any sort of schedule and that's how I prefer my life and my food and eating and fasting and all that stuff to be. I want to just do what feels right in that moment and what comes to me naturally. And that means sometimes I do fast for probably 20 hours is the most that I'll do. Sometimes I am busy or I'm not hungry or it just feels right and I fast for that 20 hours. Sometimes it's 16. Sometimes it's 10. Sometimes I'm just hungry. And 
I really have learned how to listen to that, how to figure out what works best for me in that time, and it's working. And I really want that for you too. I don't want you to feel like you have to follow any sort of particular protocol that anybody has laid out there in the world of fasting. I want you to do you. Find out what works for you. Maybe a 16-hour fast doesn't work for you every day, but maybe it does like on the weekends or during the week when you don't have time to make breakfast or whatever the case may be. You can determine that for yourself and every single day can be different. No need to be on an actual protocol. Okay, let's talk about some tips that I have from learning my own experience on fasting, going through this and learning what works and what doesn't. Like I mentioned, my biggest tip is to not do calorie restriction while also fasting. So obviously, if you're going to do a 24-hour fast, you're not going to be able to eat 2,000 calories a day in that one meal that you are eating that day. But that means those next few days after that fast, you are, you are really getting that food in. We really don't want to take the chance of reducing your metabolic rate, which obviously, as you can understand, would be very easy to happen if you are fasting and then also calorie restricting. No, no, no. Fast, eat, 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 fast. Or something along those lines. It should be that simple. But do not fear food, massive amounts of calories on those days or meals where you aren't fasting. Like I mentioned, and I just want to kind of relate this to you, listen to your body. And that's what I did with me in my own story. I had these benefits that I was really excited to see. It did its job, but there were also those signs that it wasn't quite right, that it wasn't something that I could maintain or sustain or do for any longer once those health benefits were realized. So those signs of losing hair, menstrual irregularities, sleep irregularities, fatigue, mental fog, anything that you feel that makes you feel not quite right, those are just signals that your body is giving you, telling you that you should probably eat. You should probably not try to do something that's not quite right for your body any longer and just eat. It's fine. You have no real need right now to fast beyond what your body is telling you it wants. So don't worry about it. Have some food. You'll feel better You can try again. You can alter what you're doing and maybe just try a shorter fast next time. Don't worry about it, but listen to your body. This is the perfect time for you all to really get in touch with you and who you are and how you feel and what works and what doesn't and all these signals that your body is giving you. This is the perfect time to do it. The big one here, get into ketosis first. Please do your work to get into ketosis and then try fasting. And I really like to have people be in a really pretty good solid state of ketosis for two weeks or so before they work on their fasting, just to make sure that your body is fully producing ketones, your body knows what to do with those ketones, you're getting fat fueled appropriately, and then you can look at fasting. Now, the biggest reason why this is the case, and I hope this really sinks in with you all, 
is because when you are not yet fat adapted and you are not in a ketogenic state, then your body is going to use your muscle essentially to energize you through that fast. So through the process of gluconeogenesis, your body is going to break down your muscle, which basically the protein of your muscle, to turn into glucose. And that glucose will be what fuels you because you're still a sugar burner. Your body is still looking for glucose. If you take the time to get into a ketogenic state, then you're already used to using fat as energy. You're going to keep on using fat as energy. Your ketone levels are going to greatly increase. You're going to feel really good. You're going to feel very similar to how you feel when you're in ketosis, and it will spare your muscle hugely important. So please make sure you're in a nice state of ketosis before you try fasting. Next thing, keep your salt intake high. So probably even higher than what you're used to doing on a ketogenic diet. So not only are you going to be drinking lots of water, but that water should have high quality sea salt added to it, or you're putting it under your tongue and letting it dissolve and then chugging some water. Uh, But Definitely. I mean, you can obviously imagine, just think about how much sodium someone in a standard American diet who's eating fast food or packaged foods all day. Obviously, that sodium level is way too high and causes a lot of health issues. But now think of someone that's in this real food keto diet or paleo diet that a lot of us are doing. Just think about how much less is there when you take out those fast foods or those packaged foods, there is almost no sodium in a diet that consists of vegetables, meats, and fats. Very little, right? So we add salt to our meals. We add salt to those veggies and meats so they taste a little better, of course, but also so we're getting enough sodium in our diets for health purposes. Now imagine you take that away and now you're just not eating at all. So now you really need to increase the sodium In whatever capacity works for you, whether it's in your water or under your tongue, you need to increase that amount of sodium that you're not now getting from your diet when you're not eating. Super important. It will definitely help maintain your electrolyte balance and your salt and water balance during that period of time. Now, some things to expect when you fast. You can expect to feel hungry. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's one of those things because we're used to feeling hunger and eating. That's our signal. Oh, your body needs energy. Now, when you are in a ketogenic state and you're fasting, you're still going to feel hunger, but your body knows to use fat as fuel. So your body knows that it has uh, the energy it needs already there. Now, the difference in feeling hungry versus feeling hungry, (laughs) notice the difference there. So totally normal and acceptable and okay to be hungry, kind of have this slight feeling of an empty stomach, maybe a little growling, but it kind of comes and goes. But if you get to a point where you feel so hungry that you can't focus on anything else, that you're having trouble concentrating or having energy or feeling normal and it's all you're thinking about, then please eat. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. 
the hunger you should feel should be very minor in comparison to the rest of your day. You should be able to go throughout your day. It will come and go in waves. Usually it's around when your meals would be. So if you're skipping breakfast, then you might notice at 8 a.m. when you normally eat breakfast, you feel a little sense of hunger, but then it goes away and then you wait until noon to eat. Totally fine. But if that ever turns into this awful sense of hunger, which we've all felt, then please eat. It's not worth it to do that and it's causing your body a significant amount of stress to do so. Other things that you might notice, you might notice that you have to run to the bathroom more frequently and sometimes that could be in the form of diarrhea. I don't exactly know the reason why this happens. I'm going to be totally honest, but I do feel like it is part of the detoxification process. I really think that it's just your body getting rid of things it doesn't need or accelerating that action in order to kind of help with this fasting process. So you can think of it that way. Again, like I said, I don't know if that's actually true, but... I like to think of it that way because it makes you feel like you're doing some some good things. It's definitely not a bad thing and it's definitely very common. So just kind of be prepared for that. A lot of people say they experience the kind of a euphoric or heightened energy level when they fast. I actually did feel more energy at times. I never really felt euphoric, but I did feel more energy. And uh, I think that actually for me was a stress response that I'm going to talk about when I talk about some of the negative things that can happen with fasting. So not something I really wanted to have happen, but at the time it did help get through that fast a little bit. But you might notice that, and that kind of helps you get through. It makes it very tolerable to continue a fast even though you have to work or you have to have a meeting or lug your kids around all day. Those are some things that are good to have a little extra energy for, and you may notice that when you fast. You may notice that your hunger subsides. So you may notice that over time you those feelings of hunger become less and less. And this was one of the biggest things that I learned about our bodies while fasting was that you think that the longer you fast, the more hungry you get. And that's not true. I mean, it really just is this slight level of hunger all the time. It doesn't really accelerate or get more concentrated or more obvious at any point throughout a fast, even if you are doing an extended fast, it just kind of is there and then it's not and then it's there and then it's not continuously. doesn't get worse, which is nice. You may feel fatigue. So if you feel fatigue, like I mentioned, or brain fog, or you're feeling anything that is negative, again, stop your fast, but you might feel that. And that's something to start looking out for when you fast. If you feel tired, weak, dizzy, faint, need to go lay down and take a nap, then that's probably a sign to stop the fast. Actually, not probably. That is a sign to stop the fast. And we'll talk more about other reasons to stop fasts, but just things to be aware of and to look out for when you are fasting. Now, if you are trying to fast and work out, let's talk a little bit about that quickly. I would say 
like I mentioned, for me, it felt right to lower my intensity of my workouts. It is kind of going to be different from person to person, but I would recommend while you are starting a new fasting protocol, if it's anything more than, say, 18 hours, I think you'd probably be fine continuing your current workout cycle while doing anywhere from a 12 to 18 hour fast. But beyond that, it might be worth it to take a step back from your workouts, take it down a notch while you're trying to figure that out for yourself and modify those workouts a little bit, see how you do, see how you feel, see what your energy level is. And if you have the energy to do the same workouts that you're used to doing, go for it. But there is a chance that you don't. And if you don't, it's important for you to recognize that and do something about it, which would be either eat, go back to fasting less frequently or reduce the amount of time you're fasting, get back to a point where you have that energy to work out the way you want to or modify your workouts for the long haul. It's up to you if you want to fast, if that's more important to you or if working out is more important to you, but please do not push through a workout that is too intense for the amount of food you're eating or not eating that day. That is not the way to go, especially as women. As women, we do not have that capacity stress-wise to be able to manage that stress that doing too hard of a workout with too little food can do to our bodies. So please listen to your body and modify as you need to. Also, most people find that they prefer to work out fasted, especially as you are doing more fasting and on a more regular basis, then you will find that you might prefer timing your workouts to be in this fasted state and you have more energy that way. But if you're not someone that feels that way, if you don't feel like working out while you're fasting, then again, please be mindful of that and save your workouts for those times, those days when you are feasting and you will get more benefit out of both of those things if you listen to your body and do it right. There is no right or wrong way. You don't have to work out fasted. You don't have to work out feasted. You don't have to work out as hard. You don't have to heavy lift. You can do whatever you want as you want while trying to figure this all out for yourself and how much fasting works for you along with your workouts and if any does. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up for this episode. That was actually, I feel like, a lot of baseline information. And next episode, we're going to get into the pros and cons of fasting. So there is a long list of reasons why you should fast for your health. And there's a list of reasons why you shouldn't or what you may experience that are negative health situations like I did. So I really want to go over these in detail. I did a lot of research on them and I have a huge list of awesome things we can talk about so you can decide if you want to fast or not. So again, As you can see, the theme of these episodes when I talk about fasting is that you have to do you. You have to be the investigator, researcher, listener, follower of your body. 
you have to do that for yourself. I can't do it for you and nobody else can do that for you. If it feels right, if your intuitive sense is that things you are working on with your health would be better if fasting were included, then give it a try. Start small, start slow, see what happens, tune in to your body and get all that information and find what works for you. Don't force it ever. Forcing fasting ever will only lead to more damage than good. Please don't force it. Please be intuitive and take this time to learn about yourself. Now, if you want to I would recommend waiting until next week to start your fasting schedule because then you're going to know what all of these things are that you're working on so you have a purpose. Just fasting, just to fast without knowing why you're doing it is not smart. So next week when we go over all these benefits, you can pick out a few that you really want to work on and kind of get a measurement for those. Get a reason why and get a way to measure and see how you're doing so that you have a plan and you're not just going to into this just because I started talking about it or someone else started talking about it. Okay, so make sure to tune in next week for all of the fasting benefits and risks and maybe some more tips that I come up with in the process too next week. Thanks guys. Can't wait to see you then. Hey lady, do you want to make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you want to make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? Then head to my website and check out the Fat Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly slash fatburningfemale That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash fat burning female. And make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.